You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast, where Penn State has developed a late-season win streak, improving to 2-5 and five on the year with a 23-7 victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, a game that early on looked like Penn State was about to put together its best performance of the season. They did get a victory. There's a lot to like about it, but there was not nearly as much as we thought there would be to like by the time you got through the third and fourth quarter, specifically offensively. We're going to talk about everything that went into this one, where Penn State stands coming out of this matchup, and I am still here on the banks. Uh, Sean suggested maybe I just, for old old time's sake, sleep in the stadium overnight. I, I got to pick up some pizza, get it home to my wife tonight, so I'm not staying overnight. But uh, Sean knows any reason to linger around Rutgers a little bit longer for me. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. So I'm going to record the podcast here in the parking lot right outside of an empty stadium. We got a lot to talk about. Lingering is a good way to describe the entire day because <laughs> that's kind of what we saw from from Penn State's 23-7 to win over Rutgers. It, you, you, you nailed it. It seemed like Penn State was going to come out and sort of have their way. And, and let's be honest, they were in control the entire time, but it wasn't the overpowering blowout that you thought you know maybe could develop. Um, it's, it's just very interesting to see sort of the same uh, themes that we've seen all season pop up throughout the game. And it's just, it's just hitting you in different ways. I mean, you were there at the stadium today, you saw the wind and the weather and everything like that. And as we said on our pre, you know, on our preview earlier this week, that that could be a, a big issue. And I don't want to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to say it's a big, it was a big issue, no doubt, because it definitely impacted the way both teams called the game and impacted the way both teams played the game, essentially. It's just interesting that sometimes, and I know we watch Penn State more than anybody else, so we get, you know, you can sort of nitpick and get closer into all that kind of stuff, but it just seems like when things like this pop up, Penn State, they play the outside forces more than most, and you see teams playing through this all the time, and and obviously the talent level was on one side of the, was more on one side of the ball than the other side of the ball today, but it just seemed like they kind of went out of their way to 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 figure out how to play against the weather more so than Rutgers. They didn't seem all that concerned about Rutgers, and uh, I mean, honestly, they really shouldn't have been because I mean, Rutgers playing against the weather was was terrible. But it, it's just an interesting sort of sub subplot that we see through the years is kind of play the outside forces, kind of playing against the elements and things like that, and you really take yourself out of your own game. Reminded me a little bit of the trip to Bloomington, Indiana back in 2018 where, where they won because Shaka Tony stepped up late, came up with some sacks. And um, that, I think the wind was ripping a little bit more miles per hour wise out there in Bloomington. But it was definitely an issue today. I uh, got here, sat down, put a picture up on, on lines 24-7. You could see the flag really, really going hard. And it was pretty much charging right across the field from left to right from my vantage point. I got into town last night, Sean, um, and it was pouring in New Brunswick uh, pretty much from the evening into the morning. Stopped just in time, really, for for these teams to come out for pregame. So fortunately for both sides, it wasn't a wet affair, uh, but it was was certainly one where you had to take caution in the passing attack. You see the numbers reflecting that uh, in this matchup. Uh, Noah Vedral with uh, 113 yards in the air for, for Rutgers. Uh, Sean Clifford with 133 yards passing on the day uh, for Penn State. This was about the ground game for the Penn State Nittany Lions. And what I came back to in our conversation in pregame was I just really felt like if this was going to be a weather-factored game, I had a hard time reconciling Rutgers being able to overcome Penn State in the trenches based on the talent, the athleticism, and just what I see as a skill level and what Greg Schiano has taken over here in 2020 and, and what Penn State has developed up front on both sides of the ball. And I, I ultimately think you come out of this game and that's where you focus in on the, the trenches were the difference today in a 23 to seven win. I think you nailed it. Uh, just even going into the game, we talked about this earlier this week. It's just, you can run on Rutgers. That's what they decided to do that. I mean, they had gaping holes and they were working off the edge and doing all kinds of things and, and really just, uh, just kind of, I don't want to say toying with Rutgers, but they, they outgained them 229 to 43 in the first half. Defensively, we'll get to later. They, they limited them to, to just two first downs, but really dominated up front that offensive line. And, you know, at times they brought in an extra offensive lineman and, and, and really had some success with that defensive, defensively. That front was the thing that, uh, was the group that ran things on that side of the ball, but still, 
Only 17 nothing at halftime. More missed opportunities, which in this season, that's something we've come to sort of expect from this team. Um, you know, they started the game a little bit slow. You went for fourth and 13. You went forward on fourth and 13. That was an interesting decision. I don't think anybody realized how bad the win was at that point. I don't think you realized how bad the win was until that, that first PAT they showed the, uh, and I know you were at the stadium, but they showed the view from the other end zone and those goalposts are just shaking like crazy. And then when Jordan Stout can't get it, not only can't get it to the end zone, but can't get it to the 10 or 15 yard line on a kickoff. Eh, may may send up some red flags about the the win being legit, but still, just it was just kind of one of those starts that was like, okay, they should dominate, they should go out there and and have their way and kind of shoot themselves in the foot. It was it was interesting. They got to third and thirteen, threw a little screen pass to Keandre Lambert Smith, which he dropped, but that's obviously a four down play. I mean, that's a, that's one where you're trying to pick up six seven yards and put yourself in a manageable man, uh, manageable position for fourth down. Uh, you know, they go for it on fourth and 13. There's a little bit of pressure. They get a short completion, but still, it's just kind of that, that frustrating. Okay. We got things going in the right direction. And now all of a sudden we just kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. And, and here we are once again, that first possession consumes about six and a half minutes of this game going in. I thought you saw a very composed version of Sean Clifford. I think through the, whatever it is, about 20 starts in his career at this point, we, we tend to kind of get a good forecast of what Sean Clifford is going to be, at least for the first half, based on how he comes out of the gates. And he came out, he was keeping his eyes down, Phil. I thought he maneuvered well in the pocket. There was a, a, a one particular spot where he faced pressure, and uh, there's been times in the season where he kind of folds up um, or he, he backs into a defender or his own lineman. This time he kind of moved laterally, bought some time, got the ball downfield, I believe a completion of Brenton Strange, who was very active on that first drive. But you liked a lot about what you saw, but you did not come away with any points off that first possession. That was going directly against the win. I did see Jordan Stout hit a couple from about 45 during pregame, but I can't necessarily say I wasn't staying on the field. We weren't allowed to be on the field this year. Uh, I can't say that the win was the same in pregame as it was, you know, 45 minutes, an hour later when there was actually a spot where you might send him out there for a 50 yard or, or a, late, a high 40 yard range field goal. So, disheartening to come away with nothing but but the next three possessions Sean after what was again a 17 play 66 yard drive to start out you go touchdown drive field goal drive touchdown drive and it looked like things were coming together splendidly on the week that we finally got Kirk Sharaka in a media session yeah we talked about that offense and what we've seen from Penn State really not being what you should expect from them moving forward. And I think uh, what you should expect from them moving forward, Parker Washington's touchdown was a great example of that. Um, really as crisp of an RPO setup as we've seen from them this year. Great throw from Sean Clifford, I think 29 yards for the touchdown. And then, you know, you've got uh, some points and you're like, oh, okay, all of a sudden we've got something going here. Stalled a little bit on the red zone in the next uh, the next uh, possession that they had. Sean Clifford threw high on a slant to Parker Washington. Probably should have caught that ball, but that that was a theme all day for Clifford. Just a little bit high, and you know, just a little bit off in in bad conditions. And you know, when you're trying to be perfect, as Kirk Shiraka said that he was doing, you, when you just throw it a little bit high, it opens yourself up from bad things. And we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. You kick the field goal, you get another short field, led to a Devin Ford touchdown. And I want to stop, you know, the, the sort of chronological breakdown and say, uh, Devin Ford, I, huge condolences to the kid. He came out in the post game, said his brother um, passed away last week. That's the reason he was not there with the team. Uh, really unfortunate situation. Devin's from a big family. And that's just uh, that, that's gutting to hear. But he was back out there. He stepped back into the starting lineup. Uh, you know, it didn't start out well with the, the fumbling the opening kick, which I think is probably the third time that they've done that in the last few years against Rutgers. Um, but really looked as good as he did all season, breaking some tackles, finished with 11 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, Devin Ford's brother, 25 years old, passed away uh, the day before the Michigan game. So this team goes off to Ann Arbor to looking to pick up their first win. He goes home to mourn with his family. And as we heard from Franklin earlier this week, he was back with Penn State on the practice field on Sunday. And we did wonder all week, would it be Kevon Lee in the starting lineup? Would it be Devin Ford? You kind of asked me what I was seeing during the pregame. And that or designation at the top of that depth chart essentially carried through pregame based on what we saw. It was hard to definitively tell you. And by the end of the first drive, we ended up seeing both of those guys involved. And over the course of this game uh, at running back, 17 carries for 95 yards to Lee. 
uh, and and 11 carries for 65 yards to Ford with with a seven yard touchdown that put Penn State up 17 to nothing in this game with about six minutes to go in that first half. And we'll talk a lot about how Will Levis played a tremendous role um, and tremendous in terms of volume in the rushing attack. There was some highs and lows involved with that. Um, but very clearly, this is, you know, Kaziah Holmes inv- is involved. He got three touches, but this is now a 1A, 1B situation at the very least. And and I think staying on Devin Ford for a second, he told me he didn't think this was his best game of the year. I, I kind of set it up and I asked him, you know, was this the best game of your, of, of your season so far? And, and if so, why? And he pretty much right away said, no, it was the Nebraska game. And in that game, he had 66 yards. He had a touchdown. But he said it was his pass protection in the Nebraska game that he nailed all of his pass protection assignments. It's something that he had a very major point of pride with uh, about his performance there in Lincoln in a loss. So I thought that was interesting. But from a vantage point of who this kid can be as a runner, when we're talking about being able to break tackles, being able to find space in the field and hit it with quick decisions, to me, this was the best performance that I've seen from Devin Ford in 2020. And you got the win, which obviously helps with with evaluating overall performances. Um, So again, condolences to Devin Ford. That's a tough thing to come back. I mean, that's, that is not far removed from from losing his brother, and, and you know he was banged up the week before, and thought that they met, that may have something to do with it. But you know, to his credit, he came out. He didn't want to get into details, obviously, but uh, came out and said it, and that's uh, you know that's uh, that's really tough, really tough to, to to have to hear from a young man. So and he, and, he, and he did say, I mean, this is another reminder that there's a lot more going on than a few practices in a game each week. Uh, there's so much other stuff in the background here in 2020. This is something that could pop up on any given year, but he gave a lot of credit to the coaching staff. He, he said a few of them are very much father figures to him and, and his teammates for really loving him up over the course of this and getting him in a frame of mind where he can go out and, and play football and play it at a high level. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good way to put it. It's uh, it's tough to sit back and listen to it, but uh, you know, there's there's some big things going on. Back to the game. That's why you're listening. But uh, you know, the first half offense kind of sputtered from there on out. Uh, Clifford had started out eight of eleven, finished ten of fourteen in the first half, which efficiency wise, you know, is pretty much as good as you can expect right now. Uh, Penn State tried to keep things close to the line of scrimmage, really use the tight ends. You mentioned Brenton Strange got into the mix uh, very early. Theo Johnson showed some stuff today and and you know he's uh, not on the stat sheet but as a blocker those two guys do not look like freshmen and that's uh, certainly a positive thing is if you're trying to to forecast life uh, after Pat Frymuth uh Penn State went back to Will Levis and you know sort of gave him a couple not full drives but uh, they they gave him some time to sort of dig themselves out of a hole he did that and then at the same time you know he kind of stalled that's kind of the the theme that we're going to get into a little bit later because it kept popping up and popping up and popping up especially in the second half yeah um you know before we go too far down the road in the in the the, you know beyond the first half and what we saw there um you know Clifford 8 of 11 uh to start 10 of 14 in that first half as you said um it, it really felt like they were protecting him against that win but it just felt like there was a lot of a lot of confidence in just trusting the read and 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 credit to Kirk Shiraka on the play design as well and, and for the players for executing. There weren't a lot of contested passes. And I guess you also have to point to Rutgers and and, and what they were doing defensively to allow that to happen. But it, there were a lot of easy tosses to make. And, and as you said, the issue for Clifford over the course of the day, kind of sailing the ball. And Franklin said this, when you're throwing the ball above your receivers and that's how you're missing consistently, that's a that's a major red flag. And that, that leads to, to potential turnovers. Um, but whether it was Brenton Strange or, or in, in that instance, Parker Washington, um, it just seemed like there was a lot of, of room to maneuver and, 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 and space. Like you said, it was kind of a, a glimpse. It was kind of a glimpse in that first half through those first four possessions. And you're thinking, is this kind of where Kirk Shiraka is trying to get this, this whole thing? And, and if that's what it's going to be, and with the talent level that I think Penn State can have, and I, I do think Theo Johnson's already impressing just as a physical specimen, not even as a receiver. And I think he can be a very talented receiver at tight end. Uh, you like where that ball is rolling. You just you just want to see it extended for more than than those four possessions over the course of a game. Yeah, and you'd like to, you know, everybody wants to see big plays. And that's something that that we've talked about for a long, long time is, you know, the effectiveness effectiveness of the big plays. How do they make it and you sort of match up with what they've done in the past? 
I don't think that was going to happen today. That's certainly something that that really, you know, I think the weather kind of took that out. They only went down the field a couple of times, probably should have got a pass interference call in the second half. But I think it's just one of those things where you just kind of, you know, got to sit back and wait. I know that's really tough to do and tough to say, especially because you're seven games into a season. But yeah, you want to get, you want to start hitting on more of those big plays. To me, the story of that first half, the offensive line just went out there and did what they had to do. We're moving guys off the ball. You saw sort of that cohesion that's required for the inside zone, the outside zone, uh, you know, the two sort of main running plays that, that Kirk Shiraka wants to go with. Um, so they, they really did a good job in the first half of opening things up. And, and the stat line reflects that. That stat line, we kind of bounced some stats off of each other at halftime. Um, Penn State outgained Rutgers 229 to 43. 133 yards for Penn State on the ground. They gave up those two first downs. That's something you referenced earlier. Penn State had about 20 minutes time of possession and 14 first downs before halftime. Average yards per play, Penn State 5.2, Rutgers 1.7. And you already had four Penn State players over 20 rushing yards in that first half. Will Levis had 10 carries in the first half. Sean Clifford had 14 throws. I need to see the final snap counts, but I'm very curious on on how they stacked up with Clifford and Levis. This was easily the most schematically motivated usage of two different quarterbacks that I have seen covering Penn State. I don't know about from what you've seen, Sean, whether it's in the James Franklin era or prior to that, but they were basically intertwining these two. It wasn't series by series. It wasn't even, uh, you know, a, a, a downs by downs. It was uh, Clifford on first down, Sean stand by. Okay, maybe you're in second down, go in on third down. Okay, Sean stay out there. Now, Will, you go in. It was extremely calculated, and for a while it was very fun to watch, and, and then it wasn't as fun as the game wore on. Yeah, and that's a lot of that had to do with the running game, and we'll talk about that in the, in the second part of this uh, episode where you're talking about uh, they had some serious issues in the second half getting on schedule, especially early. That That's something they did extremely well in the first half. And I think you saw the results of that, you know, trying to pick up second and, th- second and short, third and short and things like that. They were tremendous at that in the first half, not so much in the second. All right, stay with us. We got a lot more to get to. Got through a lot of the positives in the first half. Uh, some stumbles in the second half, but also we got to shine the light on what this defense did and what this defense has been able to do the last couple of weeks. Uh, stay with us here in the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast coming to you from both Piscataway and State College. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, we covered a lot on Penn State's offense during the first half of this postgame podcast. Well, why do we do it? Because this Nittany Lions defense deserves its own segment today. Uh, two fourth down stops in the first half. When Greg Schiano uh, trying to fire up his squad right around midfield on both occasions, actually in Rutgers territory. Uh, that did not pay off. A couple big stops. Uh, Brandon Smith came up with the big pressure. We thought we saw a New Jersey native Fred Hansard with a nice surge to help uh, hit a runner in the backfield. And um, you know, Sean. Overall, you know, th- this was a team that that was able to close it out against Michigan. Really played collectively well over the course of that Michigan game. Although you had an injury to the starting quarterback for the Wolverines. Um, and then here against Rutgers, a team that was riding pretty high offensively. And Sean Gleason, as we said in the pregame podcast, the guy that's drumming up a lot of intrigue across college football for what he's done with this Penn, uh, with this Rutgers offense coming over from Oklahoma State. You got to like how this defense has kind of responded to, uh, you know, just kind of looked like a downhill spiral for a, for a while over the course of 2020. Yeah, they went out and up front just flat out dominated. I mean, it wasn't there. There wasn't too much. Um, crazy going on. And that's something we expected from Rutgers this week was trick plays and trying to, you know, make up for the talent gap by trying to confuse the defense. And I think the weather may have played into that. You know, you, you don't want your 
uh, receiver taking a reverse and throwing it back across the field when there's 40 mile an hour winds. Um, so that, that certainly probably helped play into that. But really, it just all started up front. I think the defensive tackles, um, and, and granted, it's going to come with, with, with an asterisk, a guy, you know, just a caveat that says, okay, it's, it's against Rutgers. Well, that's fine, but Penn State's two and five. So I don't think they have too much room to, to, uh, you know, not take anything from this. So, uh, defensive tackle stepped up. Antonio Shelton was effective early in the game. You mentioned Hansard came in, stopped the fourth and fourth and one or fourth and two on the, uh, the quarterback draw. Um, you know, they just were active all over the place. The defensive ends did that as well. Um, they, they, you know, even did well in the sudden change. They had the, uh, the Devin Ford fumble in the first half. Um, they turned it around and got a, you know, Rutgers went backwards essentially. So, um, it was, it was pretty good job job of of you know playing not only the team but the elements I, I think they were able to do a little bit more Penn State played a lot of man today which really opened a lot of things up for for everyone else so um, I think it gave them a little bit more freedom still some issues there uh, the second level the speed not great. Once again, showing up, uh, missing some plays. Open field tackling was certainly something to to deal with. But if you look at what they were able to do today, just two first downs in the first half. Rutgers averaged just two point six yards per carry. Um, you know they really did a good job of just sort of controlling the game and controlling how everything went uh, for for Rutgers offense. Here's the drive chart. Uh, Penn State in the first half, that 17-play drive to start, didn't get anything out of it, but really drove the field, dominated time possession, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, and then the fumble that you mentioned, and I felt like, man, Rutgers really was looking for any kind of spark at that point, Seven down 17 nothing, halftime kind of looming. Uh, where are you going to find it? And then you say, okay, defensive turnover, that was one that was reviewed. The ball was on the ground for a while. It ends up going to Rutgers, and I think you were kind of surprised by that call based on our back and forth during the game. <laughs> but whatever happened there with with John O'Neill's crew, this is what this is how it worked out. Uh, and then and then across the board, though, here's the drive chart for for Rutgers: turnover, turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs, punt, punt, punt. That's all in the first half. And that one of those uh, punts was right after the Devin Ford fumble. They managed negative 13 net yards. That's how Penn State responded to the situation. And and it just really felt like, coming out of halftime even, it, it felt like Penn State was really, really going to have to screw some things up to open the door for Rutgers to get back into this one based on the way that their defense was handling the situation. And you look at the positions that the defense has been put in this year, and it's really, you know, it's it, you don't envy those guys because they've had short fields to deal with because of turnovers all season long. Uh, they were able to bounce back. Now they did, you know, after the turnover in the second half, they did give up the score, but it's it, it's really a credit to them. And and Rutgers has been able, you know, they've had some success scoring this year. This is uh, not a team that's coming in, you know, averaging ten points a game or anything like that. So they've they've had some success uh, moving fifth the football. In the Big Ten in, in points per game, I believe fifth in the Big. Yeah. Ten coming into this game didn't see that one coming in you know into the season but they you know to their credit they've done a nice job and Penn State was able to completely bottle that up that running game as we mentioned 2.6 yards per carry they tried to get some things done with the quarterback run but uh, really just Penn State up front just sort of bodied them pushed them around and and, and really had their way with Rutgers and, I, and you know that sort of was had a ripple effect all the way down uh, a couple of guys that stood out I thought Brandon Smith was able to flash you know he's he looks like you know he's taking those steps to becoming a faster player on the field and we know he's got talent we know he's got size etc uh, but really really did some nice things you mentioned the pressure on the fourth down um, but yeah he just he, he eats up a lot of space out there I'd like to see a little bit more of him uh, Adisa Isaac is a guy and I'll be honest with you I'm scratching my head as to why we haven't seen a ton of him this year um, you know they had high hopes for him coming to the season but it, it hasn't for whatever reason carried over to, to reps on the on the game field he's been in there but really not as much as we thought he would um, those defensive ends as a whole, I thought played well, you know, gave up contain a couple of times, but uh, really I thought that that whole group did some good things. Shaka Tony made some big plays. Um, unfortunately, didn't get the turnover at the at the end of the game, but, uh, you know, was able to you know, alter a drive by getting to the quarterback, hitting his arm. thought Jaquan Brisker played his best game of the year so far. He's, you know, he's kind of shown up over the last couple of weeks in position. He's just got to finish a few more plays. And I think that's, a, you know, really a key moving forward for Brisker and, you know, get if he can get his hands on the ball and then, you know, turn that in. I know he's dropped a couple of picks this year, um, but I thought he, he looked really good. Um, linebacker speed, man, it's still a major issue. It's still, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not the fastest linebacker, you better be some sure tacklers. Um, right now they're not getting much of anything or much of either. 
Well, they've got speed in that that youth department at the linebacker spot, right? I mean, you're talking about Lance Dixon and, and the speed that he brought to campus with him. Curtis Jacobs can can, can move as well. Um, you know, I, you know, but those guys don't start though. They don't that's, start. I mean, that, that's that, the that, issue. Well, and that's kind of where it leads to. And 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 Luketa had a fumble recovery today. He had ten tackles, and uh, but you know, I, I think you're you're certainly seeing that there are limitations there. We've talked about Ellis Brooks, um, and 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 what he's you know going to be for you at, at in the middle of this defense, and um and and what the loss of Micah Parsons kind of means for the rest of these linebackers, and what we're kind of seeing them being exposed out there more and more, and getting to learn more about what they bring to this defense. But I, I think you're absolutely right on Adiza Isaac. He's a guy that we had you know, high hopes to see more of this year, and and he kind of did flash a bit today. And speaking of flash uh, on, on the defensive front, Noah Keen Beeman today. And, and I was wondering, would that be an issue? And it clearly wasn't because the, the defensive line really, really, you know, took care of the business from start to finish in this game. But Beeman seemed to be an ascending player, regardless of position, really on this roster. Not sure why he wasn't available today, but he was not. Um, neither was C.J. Thorpe on the offensive side of the football. Both of those guys are second teamers on the interior. Um, but Sean, we, we've spent some time now on the defense. Uh, you want to tackle what we saw from from Rutgers after half, or from Penn State after halftime on the field here at Rutgers. Oh, do I want to? Uh, not really, but uh, that's kind of why Part we're of the here job, to, I guess, right? to do this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Penn State seemed to be cruising at this point, you know, kind of dominating on both sides of the ball. Um, and then, you know, you found that shell. And that's really, uh, it's really tough to sit there and watch because you know this team or you think this team can go out and put up points, especially the way that they ran the football in the first half. You just sort of keep them things going. You know, James Franklin said after the game, Rutgers made some adjustments. They made, uh, Penn State went and made some adjustments. Uh, it took took a little bit while to get going. So you got the sudden change in the fumble at the at the start of the uh, the excuse me at the start of the second half. You get a quick first down, and then you start to see um, the just the the patterns pile up. You get behind, uh, you know, with a with a tackle for loss, then a sack. Uh, you kick the field goal, which by the way, a great kick by Jordan Stout with a forty seven yarder or whatever. Um, and then the second drive, you start behind on schedule. You get uh, Clifford throws the interception, and you give your defense a short field. It's like, where have we seen all this stuff before? It just kind of keeps, you know, going in or just keeps popping up and you're going in against, uh, you know, different competition every week. And a lot of these teams go back to Nebraska and you go back to some, you know, some of these other teams that you should have more talent than and you should beat. And it's just the same things just keep crop up. Uh, cropping up over and over again and it's it's very frustrating to watch and i think we've uh, some of our people that are listening right now would probably pick up on that and agree it's just it's just so frustrating to sit there and say okay you've got all these you know these players you got these these things working for you so much why is Will Levis running the ball three times in a row? I mean, it's just Some, it's, it's so crazy. Sometimes it feels like you're at like a watching a high school team, like small town high school, where like this kid grew up as the best player in his town, and and you just say, all right, let's let's keep getting the ball, run up the middle. You guys try to block. You guys stand over here. You guys stand over there, and let's let this guy just run forward and try to make plays. I feel like Penn State is way too much at their disposal to, to need to rely upon that. And, and, and it felt like they could have maybe, you know, tried to put the finishing touches on this one in, in a much different way. It was almost like Kirk Shiraka got on the early bus back home and, and they, they try to figure it out for the rest of the way, because that was not what we saw in the first half, what we saw in the second half. Uh, I, I, we had fun going through the drive chart from the first half. It was a nice one to start. Here's what it was after halftime. You got a field goal off the Rutgers turnover, which is a fumble by the quarterback, Vedral, after the uh, second play, I believe, after halftime. You didn't move the ball, but but Jake Pinniger was a, or uh, I'm sorry, Jordan Stout was able to convert for you from long distance, um, and then you had an interception uh, off a deflection where it uh, was not a not a well placed pass by Sean Clifford, um, and and then then you've got a punt on a three and out, which was uh you know three and out that goes nine plays, and then you've got a turnover on downs, and it's just like. Okay, um, you know, all the good vibes and all the people are saying, you know, there's there were some people who were kind of starting to eat their words a little bit watching Kirk Chiraka go to work with this offense, watching Sean Clifford go to work with this offense and and the usage of different players in that first half. And then a lot of those people were able to say, "See, I told you. This is a <laughs> this team can't move the ball. This can't team can't do that." So it was like, "Man, Penn State almost kind of got itself off the hook." And then the second half happened and you know, that that's certainly going to be part of the conversation for another game week. 
and you look at the touchdown drive, uh, essentially you come out on first down, you've been running the hell out of the ball. You've been doing a very good job at it. Um, you come out in first down, you go five wide, you throw a, a little screen pass that loses you four yards. Okay. I mean, I, I get they wanted to get the ball to Jahan Dots and they wanted to get the ball around the line of scrimmage, you know, sort of spread out that defense because you were bringing, you know, Rutgers was bringing safeties up to play the run. But at the same time, you went back to it on third down. He, he misses high. You throw the pick. Uh, and then you come back the next drive, three straight Levis runs for nine yards. And the Levis package, you know, it, it worked in the first half. It was fine. It was it was something that, you know, you sort of changed up. You get some tough yards. You did some things. And you're asking it to go out there and get you a first down right off the bat. And it really didn't have any variety to it. I mean, essentially, they were at the point in the second half where they're trotting Will Levis out there. And it's, it's a wildcat. I mean, it's basically a single wing offense where you're just taking the snap and trying to move the football with one guy. And that's, you know, that's not really what it's about. And, and you got to give yourself some variety. You asked James Franklin after the game about what they needed to do in that Levis package because it felt like you were just building to something and building it up. Right. And somebody's going to run a QB power and he's going to pull it. And then all of a sudden he's going to find a tight end wide open down the middle of the field. And you're like, okay, this is going to happen. We're, you, you, we're looking at them setting something up for later. And then that just doesn't come. Couple times I looked over at my colleagues and I, and I tried to call it. I was like, "All right, the bomb's coming on this play." When when Levis was out there, I was like, "This is when it's coming." It never happened. Never. I mean, there was only four of us there too, so it was a small contingent of, of Penn State reporters. But so we were talking back and forth, and I was like, "All right, now the Levis thing is coming," and it just kind of became a running joke. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that Will Levis is a joke. I'm not saying that 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 Penn State's approach was necessarily a joke, but it was like so obvious what they were going to do and, and and you know again you have the kind of variable athletes and high caliber talent in this offensive group I get it I, I feel like maybe they were spooked they saw that interception uh the, the thoughts went back to the turnovers that have plagued this team and and you don't want to see this thing spiral out of control and open the door for Rutgers to, to rally here you know how much is that part of it how much is it was it kind of uh you know the 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 ghosts of these games past with some of these turnovers that have turned the game around you don't want to see a pick six or some kind of defensive touchdown that has has killed this team repeatedly but man you you said that 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 one drive after the uh, interception the ensuing possession levis is the guy three straight run plays up the middle doesn't get the first down and it felt like okay, well, there's five. There's still like four minutes to go in the third quarter here. It's not like there's four minutes to go in the game. There, there's a while to go. What else do you have here? At the end of the day, Will Levis's stat line: seventeen carries for sixty-five yards. He had some key pickups. I mean, he had some key first-down conversions early um, on short yards situations. Then he had a couple ten, thirteen-yard runs that were big. But there was a lot of nothing uh, on some of those other carries that 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 didn't really keep you on schedule. Didn't do you any favors. And seventeen pass, seventeen runs, zero passes. It's a it's a quarterback, Sean. Right? This is a quarterback we're talking about. Yeah, and I'm curious on the distribution of that because it's not like you saw him, you know, giving it to Kevon Lee or Devin Ford or something at right, times. So when right. he, how when many he's plays game, is that? Seventeen. I mean, was it like yeah, twenty six so. plays and seventeen? Right. It didn't feel like there was a a lot more other than Will Levis in the game. Get ready for him to try to take it up the gut. Yeah. And then uh, you bring Clifford back in. They, you know, they get, uh, you know, they start on, excuse me, they bring Clifford back in. They run that quarterback draw in fourth and three that everybody knew was coming. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, Rutgers would eventually re return the favor and do the exact same thing on the other side. Neither of them, <laughs> spoiler alert, neither yeah. of them worked at all. Um, but it was just, uh, it was crazy because you just, you know, you didn't see the elements of the offense that have been successful in the last couple of weeks. Now you're, you know, you're getting quarterback run and yardage and first downs and things like that. That. Um, but there are a lot fewer and far between, you know, after after Rutgers made those halftime adjustments. Um, eventually, you know, you, you get the ball back on your own two um, and they started giving the ball to the running back for a change. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That uh, that worked pretty well. That was the uh, that was the drive that they needed right there to, to, to put this one away. I don't necessarily know that they needed it because I don't know what Rutgers was going to muster up down the stretch. But 11 plays. 89 yards, almost five minutes off the clock. And, and, and as you said, starting at the two off, off of a tremendous punt that based on what we saw in the second half, you know, Melton had a heck of a catch for a touchdown. That was probably the second best highlight from the entire second half of this game was that punt uh, burying Penn State deep. But Kevon Lee, uh, they turned back to him. And, and man, Sean, I, I was just thinking when we saw Kevon Lee hit the turf non-contact early in the game, one of those first possessions, and he looked to be in some serious pain he walked off under his own power, went to the medical tent. But you're thinking, based on what we've seen at running back for Penn State, 
this is going to be something bad. This kid is just starting to come into his own. Fortunately, he was back out there, and by the end, by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, he showed he can be, you know, that quote unquote closer, that label that we applied to Noah Kane last year. There have not been a lot of closer opportunities in 2020, but for the second consecutive week, Lee looks like the guy that is capable of, of helping you get to that finish line. Yeah, he had the 31-yard carry, basically backed out of his own end zone. He showed he's not a home run threat. I mean, that's kind of the scouting report with him. He's the big back, and you know, I think he will get faster, but I don't think he's ever going to run away from people, and that's you know not really what you're looking for right now anyway, but he was able to do that. The big thing was you know, he opened some things up for Will Levis as well. I mean, you, you were able to get, I think, a 12-yard carry. So, I mean, you've got that running back. You know, it could just do so much for you if just having the threat of that running back. And that's something that Penn State sort of got away from for about a quarter and a half there in the uh, in the second half. And that's really uh, unfortunate. It was kind of like it was just playing, playing keep away. Now, I mean, obviously – they didn't seem too worried with what Rutgers was going to do on offense. And, you know, the final stats and the final, you know, hindsight, everything is going to, is going to confirm that. But at the same time, it's just like, you got to do a better job of, you know, if you're going to run the four minute offense all, all the second half, I mean, you want to, you want to try and be a little bit more efficient than that. And, you know, it's, 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 it was tough to watch. It was just sort of like, okay, here we go again. And that's been really the the theme of the whole season. Now you get out of there with a W, which obviously has not been the theme of the whole season. Um, but you, you, you sort of, I, I was talking to somebody after the game, I likened this to 2014 and 2015, James Franklin's first two years, when they're just scraping to get any win that they can. And if you're going to win 13 to 10, okay, that's one thing, but you still get that win. That's a long time away. You know, that, that that that's a long time in the past because you've got more talent on the roster. You've got the ability to sort of crush teams. If you want to try and crush a team like Rutgers, you should be able to do that. And that's really what they've gotten away from. And I think that that's kind of the scary part when you take a look at at what they're trying to do right now is get is win football games. That's fine, but you know, just doing I don't want to say the bare minimum, but doing uh, you know, not as much as you, you probably limiting yourself in doing so. There, there have been games this season on this post game podcast where it's been pretty easy to pin it on a player or two or lack of execution or a lack of, uh, of awareness on the football field today. I mean, it's really hard to pin it on, on any particular player. Will Levis is doing what he's called upon to do. This is not what it's not like, well, what is Will Levis doing? Like he's on the field, he's running the play that's called from the sideline. This was definitely the structure of today's coaching effort was really fascinating uh, because it just it, it started off again through those first three or four drives uh, about as you know about as you know pretty of a thing that Penn State has produced offensively here in 2020 and by the end of it you're like oh my gosh when it can, is this game over yet but uh, going back really quickly to that long drive from the own two ended with a Jake Pinnegar field goal made it a 16 point game that's how you got to the end of this one 23 to 7 but we talked about, okay, is the trust now with Kevon Lee? He's a true freshman. He's proven it at Michigan. Where is the trust? Down at your own two-yard line where a mistake could really open the door for the Scarlet Knights here. You give it to Kevon Lee. Give it to him again on the 31-yard rush. You hand it off to him again. You hand it off to him again. Will Levis runs for two, and then you get 14 more yards out of Kevon Lee. So on that drive that starts from your own two, Five of the first six plays, you give the ball to the true freshman. I think that speaks volumes about the confidence that not only Franklin has in him, but Jaywan Sider has in him because Jaywan Sider is ultimately the one dialing up what's going on with that running back group. Well, not only you gave it to the true freshman, but you gave it to the running back, and that's really what they needed to get yeah. And your to offensive get line got it done. I, again, we got to go back to the trenches. It wasn't just Kevon Lee making magic happen. It was Kevon Lee seeing that that gap and going for it and and that that's a testament to what we saw i said this today or, or yesterday whenever we recorded the pregame it's a prove it game for penn state can you do a consecutive games up front on the offensive line because we haven't seen that yet it's an inferior uh defensive line they're facing here but it, they proved it today and and to me stringing this together for phil troutwine and this group we saw a little bit of this a little bit of that juice scruggs involved quite heavily in the second half at right guard you like what you see out of this group on a, on a second consecutive week. 
wouldn't mind seeing more juice drugs. Um, by the way, not, don't want to end on a, a complete high note on this. Clifford missed Parker Washington high again on a slant. They had to settle for the field goal. Continues the theme all season of when you get into the red zone. So yeah. a lot of field goals, not a lot of touchdowns. One for three on that on that metric today. They did score all three times there in the red zone, which is great. But still, just 13 points out of a possible 21. Um, it's not going to come back and bite you against Rutgers, but it, it might come back and bite you at some point. A um, couple other things to throw out here kickoff coverage uh you know after that, that last field goal drew hartlob and freshman joe bruno both walk on so i thought that was excellent um you know rutgers came back down the field they did that quarterback draw and essentially ended the own game or excuse me ended the game with the running into the kicker penalty penn state was able to close it out for the most part there devon ellies uh sort of got in there uh over the last quarter some of those younger guys got in there smith vilbert uh, i mean vanover was even in there a little bit Devon uh, ellies i didn't the- recognize him at first sean compared to the kid who showed up on campus that he looks way different in he's a matter a of a year thick. and a half yeah he is a little thicker right now um but he's still moving around well he got yeah, back no there at the end of the game on a 10 game sack also had a, a little bit of a pressure a couple of plays prior to that but that you like to see that you know penn state has what 33 defensive tackles on scholarship or something <laughs> like that you like to see those guys get out there and and sort of elevate themselves judge culpepper played uh you know a good bit today uh hansard as you mentioned didn't really play last week against michigan very much and he was able to come in and make some plays so you saw some good things a lot of that uh, and i think that's going to be the regret when you talk about coming coming out of the uh the game today uh, most of the good things that you saw were on the defensive side of the ball uh, a couple of other things on defense Tariq castro fields fourth consecutive game it, it certainly is puzzling um he, he's traveled with the team three times now there's been a home game in the mix there against iowa but he got on the plane and, and went to nebraska got on the plane uh, and, 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 and went to Michigan. I'm assuming, uh, did they take a bus here? I don't know. They what took a bus yeah. Today. So he got yeah. on the bus and, and he put on a uniform and I had someone saying, did he maybe opt out and it's under wraps? I'm like, he's not going to do all this and get on a uniform and go, go backpedal on a field an hour before a game. If he's opted out, uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what threshold he needs to cross to be able to get on the field, but it's gotta be frustrating for the senior. Uh, but we saw Keaton Ellis back involved. So that was, you know, James Franklin had alluded to this week. They expected to get a cornerback or two back after having three against Michigan. It was Ellis who started opposite of Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr., by the way, really nice open field tackle at one point in this game. I think he's coming along, continues to, to play well. Um, and, you know, so you had these second-year cornerbacks, and that's that's who you're relying upon at that position, these four guys. And Daquan Hardy comes up with a sack. I took, spoke with Joey Porter Jr., and he just feels like they're all kind of growing up in front of each other's eyes, you know, speaking after this game. And um, there, there's a lot of excitement in that group. And, and but there's also a lot of compassion for Tariq Castro Fields. And they say he's he's going over everything with them on the sideline. He's going over all the video with them over the course of a week. And he remains a leader. But it's been, a, you know, a, obviously a strange thing to go through. We were told four weeks ago it's a medical condition. But I, I don't know what exactly is lingering. We have no idea how much he's practicing and when he's practicing. We just know that he keeps showing up, putting on a uniform, going out for pregames, and then when it comes time to do the the unit-wide stuff, his helmet's off, and there's a a second-year cornerback out there starting in, in what we thought would be his spot. And once again, I mean, this this is not a team that's going to beat you uh, throwing at the cornerbacks, but whoever's in there has done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been cornerback roulette. Those guys have done a good job. Porter, once again, had a good game today. Um, you know, I, I like what I saw from the defense. You, you really didn't get the feel, and, and you felt this offensively, and maybe it's just more prevalent because they're out there and they're trying to move the ball, but defense really didn't play down to its opponent, and that's certainly, you know, the the, the stats would, would line up with that. The scoreboard would line up with that. Uh, still some issues with open field tackling speed at linebacker is interesting uh really interesting stat here seven of 27 opponents first or excuse me opponents on third downs the last two weeks um some of that has been self-inflicted but penn state has been able to get off the field and and do pretty well we've got a couple of fourth down stops in there as well so the defense i mean i know it's Rutgers, but you gotta you, you gotta take the positives when you can get them this year no, yeah, and actually, I mean, I think grand scheme of things, the way they started off this game offensively, the way they played defensively throughout, you can make the case that this was their best performance against Rutgers in a while. Now, this may not be the best. We know it's not the best Penn State team that has faced Rutgers in recent years, but this has been kind of a sleepwalk first half experience, lingering into the fourth quarter. Then you wake up and, and, and put the foot on the gas pedal against this team. Two years ago with Trace McSorley out there, and Micah Parsons out there, and Pat Fryermuth out there, uh, it wasn't really a pretty picture, and it was a game that was hanging in the balance. I think the final score was 20-7 to two years ago for, for a team that went on to play in the Citrus Bowl. So 
you know, we hope that 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 Penn State would come motivated. There was no excuse not to come motivated at one and five, and they did. They, they clearly it matters to them. And you know, look, you didn't get guys opting out at zero and five. I think that says something about the culture within the program. Now you got a little win streak. You're going back home taking on a Michigan State team that is not a world beater by any means. And then we'll see what lies beyond that with some of this postseason stuff that's all in play. Uh, but at the end of the day, the defensive numbers stand out. And here's another number for you, Sean. 502 rushing yards in the two wins combined. That's not too bad. Uh, so offensively, that's the the movement that you want to see. I mean, we were talking for the first couple of weeks about trying to establish that ground game, and they they weren't getting it done. So maybe some things mer- working in that direction. I, I still think there's a lot of concern with the offense. You talk about what they have done with the quarterbacks or what they haven't done with the quarterbacks. Doesn't seem to be a ton of ish, uh, trust there, um, especially after the turnovers. It just seems like they're trying to be sa- overly safe, protect them, let your defense win the game. And that's another way of saying, okay, just kind of sit back and, and try and not make mistakes. And I think I have a huge problem with that when I'm talking about, you know, analyzing what this team could be versus what this team is, is going out there and showing on, on a weekly basis. So I uh, still need to trust them to get the, the ball to their guys. They did that, uh, you know, they had some success late in the game by doing that, get, getting the ball to Kevon Lee, like what the tight ends were able to bring, blocking and in the short passing game, uh, maybe kind of got away from throwing the ball to Brenton Strange because he had some success early. Early, but uh, that's where you're at. Keandre Lambert Smith also had a, a handful of catches, which is really the first time we've seen him heavily involved this week. Um, but uh, yeah, things taking some baby steps in some directions. But you know, the the elephant in the room is is how much are you going to let your quarterback do, and how much can your quarterback actually get done? And that's uh, until that's sort of. Uh, remedied, it, it's really tough to see. Now, you, you didn't play a very good team in Michigan last week. You didn't play a very good team in Michigan State, or excuse me, in, in Rutgers this week. Now you've got Michigan State coming to town next week. So there's opportunities for growth there, um, but I don't know how much you can you can take away from the future of this program based on this this little stretch that they're in right now. said it several times, big picture, how much of the 2020 year across college football in Happy Valley, are we going to take and stick on a program as part of its brand and apply it to what we anticipate in 2021? You can see a lot of things rolling in the right direction for Penn State over the next three games, uh, assuming they get a chance to maybe play three games or two games, whatever it's going to be. If they close out this thing, I think you can view a lot of spots on the field and areas of, of this roster and coaching staff in a positive light, better than certainly we were viewing it in, in late October and into mid-November. Um, but the one area that we continue to go back to, and this is going to be the, the, the difference in, in really accomplishing what this program wants to accomplish under James Franklin, is the quarterback spot. And, and uh, you know, we'll leave it at that for now. I think we've spent so much time on the postgame podcast. Um, you know, again, I, Sean Clifford didn't wasn't a detriment to them in this game. I think they just, again, I kind of felt like they got spooked. They got spooked on that turnover. They didn't want to see uh, some kind of snowball effect that we've seen happen early in the season. And they kind of bat, you know batten down the hatches, go to a battering ram run game. It, it worked out at sometimes. Other times it was it was quite difficult to watch and, and over the course of the second half here. But the end result is a 16 point victory. And for the second consecutive week, this team showed up to play. And following the first 0 and 5 start in school history, this team continues to show up to play. And uh, I'd expect that to be the case again next Saturday back home against Michigan State. And you were talking about you know them showing up to play. We talked all week about how Rutgers, how hard Rutgers played, and all that kind of stuff. And really, you didn't see that. You you saw a team that went out there and really did what they should be able to do to a Rutgers team, especially Rutgers in the first laid half. Egg, man. And, I'm not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I feel like Rutgers Rutgers. I, I was surprised they were not able to match that intensity. They didn't really look crisp at any point. They were look fired up on the sideline, but there's a lot of disappointment among Scarlet Knights fan because if you couldn't get it done against this Penn State team in this year, I think there's a lot of acknowledgement that it's gonna take. A few years for Shiano to get his roster to the point where they can compete really to make these games competitive and for it to end up with a 16 point loss at home against this particular Penn State team that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people that were starting to get really excited about Rutgers well, it took 47 minutes, but the apologist has shown up. So I guess uh, I guess I'll let you get that one in at the end. I, one more thing before we get out of here is is the, I think the concern coming out of this that I have is you take you, you understand the, the limitations and and the weather and all this kind of stuff, but you know you still got the same personnel, you still got the same uh, gr- you know the same general nucleus of what you're probably going to be working with next year, and you know what's out there. And Kirk Shiraka, I think, is a tremendously sharp guy, but I think you've got to 
to get more out of that right now. And you got to get more out of, even if you're trying to limit yourself and what you're doing and trying not to make it too difficult, uh, you got to call a better second half than that. And I, you know, I haven't been overly, you know, critical of Shiraka based on the, the, you know, the, what we've heard about the offense really not being installed and, and all that kind of stuff. But when you have, uh, you know, when, when you have the tools in front of you at your disposal, even if they're not the best ones, you try and make the best of what you've got. And I don't think I don't feel that they did a very good job of doing that today. But I will say, um, do we have do we have any thought that maybe James Franklin pulls an override in this situation? The winds blasting. Uh, they've they've got a lead. They can see the finish line. He can see second straight win. Sean Clifford throws the interception. Uh, do you think there's any point to that in saying, Kirk, the game plan, I, I like it. We saw some good things. Let's get super conservative. Let's just, let's, let's just try to narrow let's the focus just here. Let's just get out of here. Like, let's I, just I, get I'm, out of I'm here hes- with a win. I'm hesitant, it's, it's like, I'm hesitant yeah. to say this was Kirk Shiraka all of a sudden, you know, reversing course and, 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 and changing it up more so than I am maybe Kirk getting a tap on the shoulder and saying, Hey, let's, uh, let's just get the heck out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here with a win. It, it, like I said, it reminds me of 2014 and 2015 when they did that a bunch and, you know, they got some wins, but at the same time, they, they sort of limited themselves. And you look at some of the talent that ended up coming off of those teams and you're, you're thinking, okay, maybe they could have gotten a little bit more out of it. And that's, I think that's the troubling thing when you're taking, taking a look at overall trends. Now, could that reverse itself and, and be completely irrelevant at this time next year? Or I guess not at this time next year because it's December, but uh, going into next season, absolutely it could be. But I think that's it, it's a concern worth having when you've got the, the pieces in front of you. You're trying to put that puzzle together and you're just kind of standing in your own way when you're trying to do it. Well, we're going to share a lot more thoughts coming out of this matchup, start to put our focus towards Michigan State. Of course, now we are under the two-week mark for the early signing period, so there's going to be a lot to talk about recruiting-wise and upcoming podcasts, but we'll be back with you on Tuesday per usual. I got to get on the road. I got to pick up some pizza here in New Jersey and head back home to Central PA. Sean, uh, always a pleasure after these. Uh, it's been a heck of a year. We're always uh, here, there, and everywhere in between, and, and oftentimes Mark is making the long trips, but uh, we've made it work, and uh, another post-game podcast in the books. Thank you for your efforts. Well, when the new schedule came out, we saw this and said, who would rather spend December in New Jersey but Tyler? So that's why we sent you. We appreciate you heading out there. We appreciate you guys listening to us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll be back with you with an episode early next week, just one regular season game to go, then a bit of a calamity with uh, whatever's going to happen with the crossover game in the Big Ten and then potential bowl season. Anyway, we will be here talking Penn State football. We really appreciate you listening. Check out the site, Lions 24-7. Tyler's had a few things since the game ended as have uh, myself and Mark Brennan. So uh, we appreciate you listening and, and look forward to, uh, to talking to you next week here on the Lions 24-7 podcast.